Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, hear it. Woo. A little out of breath after that one. It's been a long, uh, been a long 24 hours. Yeah, we are recording this on a Wednesday. Not our normal protocol here, but New Year's is Friday night, and there's stuff going on, so we're back at it, John. It's great to have everybody. If you are here on YouTube watching live, hit that like button. We thank you for that. Yep. Get on it now. Also, uh, share with your friends. Leave a review. Apple iTunes. Uh, five stars. Favorite bar. Leave your uh, favorite bar. If you want to leave a question, we do this little thing called the mailbag. Haven't done a mailbag the last couple weeks because of the holidays. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Uh, but we'll get back to that. Uh, the new year. You know, 2022. I, yep. I, I did a check today for the HOA. And I realized it was like 12, 29, 21. It's only a couple days left of 21. You know, like when you're in elementary school and for that first like January or hell, even high school or college, you still write the former year. You're like writing 03, 03 and you're like, it's 04. But you just, you know, I, I wonder if our generation, we don't write as many like, you know, you don't need to put the date at the top of the piece of paper anymore, right? right? You, right. you type and it automatically comes up. So times have changed. So is this going to be the 2022 Super Bowl or the 2021 Super Bowl? I always consider it the 21 season, 22 Super Bowl. But I fuck, I don't. I okay. never know this. I'm not Derek Pop. I never even know the Super Bowl numbers. The number, yeah, it's like Super Bowl 13. Who played that? Derek Papa knows the answer to that question. Yeah, um, He'll, guy, he knows the scores, doesn't he? And the scores. That's right. Any Super Bowl, it's really an incredible talent. An incredible talent. All right. Uh, also, go to nokidhungry.org slash ham, nokidhungry.org slash ham. Fantastic cause. The link is in the YouTube description. The link is in the podcast description. And uh, what you do is whatever you can give, you give. And we appreciate it. No Kid Hungry, we have raised over $22,000 in our fundraising campaign, 22000 over it. Might be getting close to 23000 now. We'll have to get an update on that this week. Um, but No Kid Hungry in the state of California, $12.5 million in grants, over 200 million meals. I might have said billion in the past. It could be billion. Over 200 million meals um, in the last basically year and a half, almost two years, just in the state, not to mention over $100 million in grants since the pandemic began across the country. And these things go to help communities, help families, and help children who have trouble finding their next meal. Yep, nokidhungry.org slash ham. Everything is tax deductible. Only got a couple more uh, days of the year if your fiscal year is uh, January to December. So, you know, you get that tax write-off. Uh, you can do it for a good cause. So nokidhungry.org slash ham. We have, we recommend or appreciate anyone that has, recommend you do it. And uh, we'll just keep making this a yearly thing, hopefully. Uh, one in six kids, John. One in six kids at risk for hunger in this country. So um, that is uh, that is a very needy, needy situation. Uh, we are sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. 
Thank you to everybody who tagged us in the tweet or the TikTok. I can't tell you how many people have sent that to me in a DM. Like, do you guys see this? A guy filling, I don't know, like six handles of Tito's into one uh, Culligan Man water jug so we can have Tito's by the button push. I don't know if that counts as uh, savoring responsibly. We encourage you to savor responsibly, especially with the new year coming up on Friday night. Be smart. Have a good time. But be smart. Tito's Handmade Vodka, it's the number one order, John. It's as good as it gets. Yeah. Tito's, uh, make yourself a Tito's and whatever this weekend. Tito's Toddy, Tito's Soda, Tito's and uh, and Lemonade and Iced Tea, which is known as the John Daly, formerly the Arnold Palmer. You just spike it with Tito's. Very easy to do. If you, you still got a little eggnog left, I do recommend going egg. Uh, first, you go a shot of Tito's. You can make it two if you want a stiff one. You go Kahlua. And then you go, just a sprinkle of eggnog. It is legit. Man. Uh, cheers to the new year with Tito's. So many great Tito's recipes. Uh, Tito'sVodka.com. We'll, I, I will find the next. I One thing I did want to try was something like this, and they have this recipe, so this might be the order. When you're thinking about Friday, the p- college football playoff games are going on. You're like, how am I going to get through? I'm a little tired. Been a long you know, holiday week. It's not like I've been going to bed at 8 all week long. How about... An ounce and a half of Tito's, two ounces of cold brew, half ounce of creme de cacao, one orange slice. And uh, if you want a little, thicken it up a little bit, maybe a little half and half. And that is your Tito's late night latte. What do you think? Now we're talking. Now we're talking. That is a good drink. Get a little buzz and the bowels moving. (laughs) That would be no better way to head out than with an empty stomach and a little bit of a buzz. An empty tank. I mean, not an empty stomach. You've eaten, but you just, you know, there's nothing like those that 30 minutes after the the BM. You just start feel, you just bounce bouncing your bouncing your. Step. Is, it, is that why people get espresso shots after dinner? Um, I've never thought that was why. You know, I but it's I, that's not an aperitif. You know, a uh, is that is aperitif the one that's digestive, or is that one called something else? Maybe aperitif is the pre-drink. There's something else. What's it called? The 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 name for the. Digest. It's like digest is actually part of the word for the post meal drink. So maybe that's maybe you're on. Do not teach us that at Cal Poly. Maybe you're on to something there. (laughs) We do not Uh, learn. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, forty percent alcohol by volume, namely eighty proof. I remember Steve Kerr told Steve Kerr told the story about when he first met Tony Kukoc, who came from Europe, who he said would eat the biggest meal he'd ever seen any human being eat before a game. And then he would just ask for like a double espresso shot. And Steve would be like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I can just eat whatever I want. I get the espresso. I go take big shit and I'm ready for a game. <laughs> and that's that, That's how Tony, because, you know, in Europe, you know, I think the way that they uh, consume alcohol food is a little different from the way we operate. Just three meals, set times. They're a little more open-ended, just kind of, you know, <laughs> nap now, eat later, alcohol now, chocolate now. I don't think I could live with that like that. <laughs> No, there's no rhyme or reason. It's like the opposite of the way Belichick and Saban live their life, where every minute is accounted for. It's nothing's accounted for. Just do whatever you, you know, what's Nagy's thing? Do you? Just be fuck. you. You hungry? Eat. If not, fuck it. Be you. Yeah. You don't want to work today? Shit, who cares? Take a nap. Work through the afternoon lunch rush. I can imagine a lot of people don't. Do you think a lot of people hit it strong after the siesta or it's just kind of like, well, I mean, it's only a few more hours until the, uh, I don't know, until the dinner, but I guess at dinner is 830. Maybe there is a 
yeah second wind that you get i i would i that would not be me i'm with you what's the israel structure uh, I, you know, I can't speak to the whole, con- I, I don't know that everybody does this, but I know when I would visit my mom's family, they, uh, on what was called a kibbutz, which is, a, it's not exact. that's not like a, it's a self-sustaining little, uh, community. There was, there was no like tech hub. Like now Israel's a big tech hub. I would imagine they have a normal work day, but I do remember that people, everyone would shut it down in the afternoon for a nap. And I would take my bike out and ride around the little town and there'd be not a soul. Yeah. Which is weird because I'm a big pro nap guy, but me too. Only when I want to. It, not when a, it's forced a lot of upon society me. all based back to like the animal instincts of survival. You know, you would think of like the 1500s. You know, back when you just you know, you, if you wanted something, you just kill someone and take it. That you would attack when everyone was sleeping. In some of these European countries that have had you know Israel, the wars over the history, like you nap, we come in. Like you never know in America. Like people are up, right? <laughs> like there's always someone up in a town. Right, like you just look at the the gamers will protect us. They're up at two a.m. Yeah, that's actually a great point. There was a there was a famous Israeli war, the Six Day War, where they they were attacked on a um, on a holiday when they knew everybody would be. You know, it was kind of like unwritten rules, right? You weren't supposed to do anything on the holiday. Fucked up. Almost next thing you know, you you have to exert yourself. Um, Israel ain't afraid. So, all right, where do we begin? Oh, somebody said uh, fernet. D- digestif, people are saying, is what you have after the meal. Uh, fernet, that'll... Uh, the first time I ever had fernet, that put me in a whole other realm. I remember it very well. It was the, it was uh, after a, a World Baseball Classic game. I was out with Heidi Watney and friends, and um, I had a shot of fernet for the first time in my life, and the next thing you know, I was... I don't even know what planet I was on. Burnett's terrible. <laughs> Couldn't pay me to consume that crap. All right, John. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Clarity. After many conspiracy theories on Jimmy Garoppolo's hand injury. Um, and he's not been ruled out for the Texans game yet. The trainers took him out to the field. He didn't last on the field very long. Uh, before the Niners practice, Matt Mayoko tweeted, Jimmy Garoppolo, exit the field, heads back to the locker room area as practice gets going. Didn't get a chance to see uh, during the open portion of practice. Grant Cohen tweeted, Jimmy Garoppolo just walked off the practice field before it started. Seems like the test run for his thumb didn't go well. The quarterbacks at Niners practice were not Jimmy Garoppolo. It was Trey Lance and Nate Sudfeld and Tyler Bray. Now, the reason Kyle Shanahan didn't say fracture on Monday he explained Wednesday when Mayoko asked him about it was that it's not, this is not a bone injury that is keeping Jimmy Garoppolo that, that makes him questionable for this game. It is the sprain, the grade three sprain. That's the problem. The sprain did chip off a little bone, but the sprain is the issue, not the fracture. So he has a chance to play were those words. He actually explained it pretty well. Like, if you tear your ACL, if you hit me in the knee, you're a safety. You hit me in the knee, and the ACL tears, and you crack a piece of my knee, I technically have a fractured knee and a torn ACL. But if the if the ACL didn't tear, I might not even notice the bone chip on the knee. But you can call it a fracture. So he tried to get, like, I was not trying to lie, but I also think it shows why was Jimmy Garoppolo's people so over the top and leaking that his injury was so bad. Because Kyle, 
and I don't think he was, he wasn't trying to like shit on Jimmy or be positive with Jimmy. He was just stating like the reason I didn't say the word. Why did, why were they so adamant about making the word out there? Because it always sounds worse when you say the word fracture than like, oh, I got a pinky sprain. That doesn't sound bad. But if I say your pinky is shattered and it's fractured, you'd be like, well, he's in trouble. Yeah, it was. It's interesting, right? Like, I think there was some assumption as we went through some of the Jimmy Garoppolo conspiracies that maybe Kyle Shanahan didn't know the extent of the injury until he found out about it from Schefter and uh, uh, Rap Sheet. But what Kyle is saying, no, I knew. And so then, to your point, it raises the question: Then why was it so urgent to get the real specifics of the injury out there after Kyle Shanahan said what the injury was? Especially because when you read it, like when you and I and everyone else reads that Kyle reads the Rap Sheet tweet, right? non-doctors go, oh, that is worse than what Kyle Shanahan said it was. Yes. So yes. why was there the need to clarify that for everybody? Um, that's a very good question. That's a good question. And, and why was Jimmy Garoppolo's people, because as Wickersham once got mad at me, but I'm sorry, I, I, I source guess. Uh, I, I'm in the business of source guessing. It's clear the source of those tweets from Shefty and Rapsheet came from Jimmy Garoppolo's camp. So why would they, or it definitely rap sheets. Why yeah, I mean, would they, Kyle Shanahan had already spoke. So were the Niners like, oh, we actually have to get more information out there. Well, let's do that. Right. They were just, if he needed to correct it, he'd just do it the next day when he talked. Why would they want it out there so quickly to let everyone know? Because I keep getting back to, he got shit on worse than any single human for the last four days of the football, right? From Thursday, even through Sunday, Jimmy was getting drug, as the kids would say it. They drug him and dragged him. Why wouldn't you put that out there? Why did you wait? It was, it to me is still pretty bizarre, but overall, my expectations on the Jimmy Garoppolo situation have not changed. I see zero, ch I do not expect to see Jimmy Garoppolo ever playing for the 49ers again. I don't expect him to play this week. I don't expect him to play next week. And if they play the playoffs, and as Kyle said, like, we have playoff games. For us, it starts this week. And we got to win this week, and we got to win next week to ensure that we make the playoffs. Obviously, they don't technically have to win, but they need some things out of their control to happen. Uh, but I do not expect to see Jimmy Garoppolo. I expect Trey Lance to be the starter this week, and I expect Trey Lance to be the starter the following week. I don't expect him to be this, the starter against the Rams at this point. I think if you asked me to put a percentage on it, I'd put a higher percentage on it that Trey Lance is the starter than Jimmy Garoppolo. But I can't say I expect it. Um, now, maybe Kyle Shanahan isn't naming a starting quarterback this week because, as he has always said, why would I? What does it behoove me to do it that way? Um, but the way this week is playing out, the way that they try to get Jimmy out there and see what he's got makes – I still think, and I think last Thursday is an example of this, that if Kyle Shanahan could have it his way and everybody was healthy, Jimmy Garoppolo would be a starting quarterback. We know that. That's not a debate. That's not my opinion. That's the way it's played out this year. So the question then becomes, what percentage of Jimmy is good enough for him to put in over Trey Lance? And that's the answer. I don't I don't know the answer to that. As mad as he probably is with Jimmy, as frustrated as you would have to be with a quarterback, to trade three ones to draft another quarterback that you're not going to play right away, he still has put a lot of faith in Jimmy Garoppolo this year, or at least, if not faith, put a lot of the hopes and dreams of the Niners season on Jimmy Garoppolo's ability to, to play the position. So... There has to be a number, a percentage of Jimmy Garoppolo that I think he'd be willing to put out there over Trey Lance. I don't know what that number is. I don't know if that's 90. I don't know if it has to be 95. I don't know if it's 85. I don't know if it's 80. I don't even know how we guess people's percentages. That's a whole other thing that makes no sense. Oh, he's 
they, I, like right now, I'm kind of tired. I couldn't. You're like, what percentage are you? How much you got in the tank? I couldn't tell you if I'm 90% or 70%. I don't. So how we, we always put these percent. Oh, he's 80%. Based on what? Does he throw the ball 80% as far as he used to? Anyway, that aside, I think there's a chance that the Texans play this week. The Rams game is a big game. In theory, it's going to be a lot harder depending on who the Rams play in that game. Um, and so I think there's a chance that Kyle looks at it like, well, if I got to play with Trey this week, I'll play with Trey this week. And then we just, starting next Monday, we reevaluate where Jimmy is then. I don't think back to what you originally said, it'd be that weird. I, I think we see all around the league with starting players, whether you're a lineman, whether you're a quarterback, a wide receiver, you, you try to do something at practice and you don't make it through. Do you agree there? Like we see that happen a lot. A guy goes out yeah. of practice and then either is compromised or they go go back into rehab more. Whatever the reasoning is behind it, we don't always know, but the, the guy's not making it through practice that are injured is a pretty normal occurrence. Now, this one, he's not testing out, right, like his hamstring tight. Is his shoulder strong enough? It's like, can he grip the football, right? It's his throwing hand to throw the football. If he can't grip the football, the most basic part of playing the position, right, before you throw the ball is just taking the snap, holding the ball. And there's a chance, I, I saw people on Twitter, doctors on Twitter, normal, you know, an injury like this can be a month. There's a healing process, especially if he doesn't need surgery. Whenever they say you don't need surgery on something like a bad sprain, right? When someone sprains a knee or sprains a shoulder, there is just a rehab time of you don't need to be a doctor, no rest, rehab, and not do much on it. Well, part of practicing is like you stress it out. And I, I just, I, I don't think he'd be capable of throwing the ball. So I don't, like you, I don't, 75%, 30%, I don't know, but... Under no circumstances, if if this guy is fully healthy and ready to go, given that he's had much more time to prepare now, and as Kyle said, like he gets the game plan too. Like he's been preparing like the starter now for a while, because that's just what the backup quarterback has to do on top of his other duties. That you can put a compromised Jimmy Garoppolo that we've already seen like fully healthy can be compromised if he's a little off, and put your season in the in the hands of a guy who can't grip a football. Like just a, the conspiracy theories aside, he's hurt. It's not fake. Now, how we got here seems a little weird, but like if you can't grip the football and throw it normally and make here's the other thing. When when Rodgers immunized and he missed the game against the Chiefs back when the rules were still like 10 days for a non-vax guy. And we knew he was going to be able to come back the following week. I forget who they were playing, but he was going to be like ready to be off the list on Saturday. So he was going to miss the following week of practice. And everyone's like, yeah, of course, like Rodgers, who cares? All the good quarterbacks like Dak, Stafford, like they miss a week of practice for whatever reason, but they're game ready. You're like, yeah, whatever. Jimmy to me is not under that category of like, he just can't practice. It's just, you got to go with him. And he's 60, 70% and he can't really grip the ball. Like I'm out. Well, I think that goes I, back. I, to I might be out. Honestly, if Nick Mullins was the backup, I'd be like, just go. Now that Trey Lance is the guy, I don't think, I, I think Kyle would get destroyed if he threw out Jimmy who clearly looked off and just kind of rode him for a while and it threw a couple picks and got down and ended up losing the game and like Trey was just there on the sideline that I, I don't think I think that's a correct opinion but I don't think that has anything to do with Kyle's decision you know well, now, I, I, I just I think that would be more that would be borderline nuts on his part to do something like that you don't 
put a compromised Jimmy Garoppolo out well, there? Again, or, I, this is, this, I, I think we're, I'm, we're making conclusions within, without all the information. Like, what is Jimmy's percentage? And whether I think it's crazy or not, it's about what is he going to do? And I think he leans Jimmy Garoppolo. He has all year long. That's, I mean, that's clear. So he would lean Jimmy Garoppolo after that Titans game if Jimmy were 100%. I believe Jimmy would be starting this week against the Texans. I don't think he was going to get benched. But you're, you're in agreement. You think Trey is starting this week? I think Trey is starting this week, yeah. And I think it goes back to what you said. You're, what you just said goes back to something you said yesterday, which is it's one thing if you've got an ankle that we're resting. When it's your hand that we're resting, we got to know ahead of time if you can throw. Like if you can't really move, we're just going to shoot up your ankle – and whatever you can give us, we'll see how well you manage a game that way once the game starts. It'd be kind of weird. Like the scenario that we're talking about, if you want to really make it, take it to the extreme, would be that you go, Jimmy, we're going to rest him as much as possible. We're going to start him against the Texans. And after a couple of series, if it doesn't look like he can throw, we're getting him out of there, right? It doesn't feel like that's how Kyle would do this. Kyle doesn't want to do it that way. Wouldn't that be right? a little crazy? Wouldn't you just want yeah, to Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, that is how a lot of injuries get treated, to your point. Like, you just wait until the game and you go, we're rolling with this guy. We're going to see what we can get out of him. The difference is that most, you know, most positions are not. I think where that is different is I don't know if you really treat, you, you would treat another position that way. You don't necessarily treat a quarterback that way, right? You go, how many yeah, snaps like, can like you Like a give right us? tackle or a safety or whatever. Like, is this guy good to go? It's like if Devontae Adams, like, ah, oh, he's not, just pull him out, put Lazard in there, or, you know. And even if Aaron Rodgers doesn't practice, you kind of know based on a little bit of throwing the ball around whether or not his shoulder's good or something like that, right? Yeah, you would know. With deal, Jimmy, he just like he, he was healthy. He just wasn't allowed in the facility. Remember, in that example. Well, I'm not talking about COVID. I just meant Aaron. If yeah, Aaron yeah. had some injury, like you would know, it wouldn't be like Kyle Shanahan would not throw Jimmy out there without having him seen, without having seen him throw the football, even if he hasn't practiced. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, for example, we were thinking about putting a big bet on the Rams this weekend. Lamar Jackson is going to be, you know, is limited in practice today and, you know, obviously coming back from the injury. Like, Lamar Jackson, and basically their offense now has morphed into his offense, so all the quarterbacks they have can run around too. But, like, I'm, I fully understand John Harbaugh if they get to the game and, like, maybe have a quick hook on Lamar Jackson. Like, I would treat Lamar Jackson, I guess, it's different. I guess it's somewhat similar because his running is such a big part of his game. So if his ankle is off, but treating Lamar Jackson different than Jimmy Garoppolo, especially when you're backup quarterback, while he's an unknown, you did bet the fucking farm on him. And now everyone in your organization, not necessarily Kyle, but I, Kyle was complimentary of him on Monday, have kind of been blowing him for a month. Yeah, I mean, but I, I could say, well, but the Ravens backup's pretty good. So they should play him in that situation too. You know, he's a no, but, but he's hurt. I think. But, but I'm just saying like in these, in, you know what I mean? In that situation, it's just about how much better do you think this version of what you're getting is, is than this version of what you're getting? How much better is this version of? I'm just Lamar speaking from, than, I, listen, I, I, I understand that Kyle does not give a shit about the fans or the reaction on our podcast or any of that, but the fans, it, it would be a little weird and then they would be very angry, and rightfully so, if Jimmy came out, which I don't expect to happen. But I, I can't like one hundred percent say it because I think Kyle is beats to his own drum and looks shitty and puts him in a position that they have to go with Trey mid game. Like I think people would be like, "What was he doing?" Yeah, it would be fair to criticize him in that scenario, which I, while unlikely, 
it's possible because of Kyle and how little he gives a shit about the outside stuff. He'll do whatever he believes. And my point always goes with coaches is, you know, coaches can be wrong sometimes, even the best. Like Bill Walsh was, I'm sure, was wrong every once. Belichick, Kyle, right? So yeah, okay I, to be wrong. To, to me, the part that I keep going back to in that scenario or a lot of the scenarios we've talked about this year is that Kyle likes Trey Lance more than Jimmy Garoppolo. He traded three number ones to get him. Like, he wants Trey Lance to be his quarterback. So it's telling at times that he doesn't force Trey Lance into games the way I think most coaches kind of would if they have a guy they like and a guy that frustrates them. He doesn't do, well, do it you think? But, but in a vacuum, like the Titans game, do you think he liked Trey Lance in that vacuum of that week more no. than Jimmy Garoppolo? No, no, no. No, but what I'm saying is like when the door kind of opens for him to put Trey in, he doesn't do it. Yeah. So for whatever reason, he still trusts Jimmy more, right? And so the question is like, how bad does Jimmy's hand have to be for him to trust Jimmy less? But could you get yourself, like if you're a parent and you know, you always, I used to go through this with my parents. It's like, when is it okay to let me watch a rated R movie? Like not at 12, but at 14 or not at 14, but at 15, like when you get these arbitrary dates, like did he have in his mind, like I just got to give him the year off if we can avoid it at all costs. Now they might just not be able to avoid it now, but did he have that set? Like he just... He's not really going to play this year. Not going to give him starts. I, I, Jimmy would have to lose me like three straight games in a row to bench him, which he did and didn't get benched. But you know what I mean. It feels like he somewhat had this arbitrary decision in his head set, which may turn out to be the right thing, may turn out to be the wrong thing. We'll, we'll see. I, but that's what it feels like a little bit to me, Could given be. that like you know his refusal to pivot on Jimmy. Like again, good player, but not to me top ten quarterbacks get that type like obviously the top guys but even you know a Dak a, a Stafford like yeah you're giving those guys I to me Jimmy kind of early in the season lost the true benefit of the doubt even if he has a couple decent games against some rando teams yeah so it doesn't matter how Trey Lance if Trey Lance, Trey Lance hasn't been named the starter yet but I, I think in this conversation then maybe it does matter how Trey plays now like you said earlier if it's a what'd you say four to six week injury but Jimmy could gut, gut it out, as Rap Sheet said. Uh, so this is where how if Trey Lance plays against the Texans, all this comes into play now. And I think what's important, if you are of the I want to see Trey Lance play camp, which is the world, as Norm McDonald once said, um, how he plays against the Texans is important. This is not a preseason game. This is a real NFL game against the Texans, albeit – but it's a real NFL game. The next week, you're going to play a game you have to win against the Rams. And who knows? If you take care of business and get a little help, you might be playing a playoff game. So can Trey Lance do enough in a game against the Texans to make Kyle Shanahan, if he has to, change the way he thinks about the dynamic that he has a quarterback? If all of a sudden next Monday rolls around and Jimmy, you know, he's not 100%, but he's throwing it well. He's not throwing ducks. He's able to grip the football. Is there anything Trey Lance can do in the game against the Texans to get himself above Jimmy Garoppolo and available Jimmy Garoppolo on the depth chart? And then, he, hell, even if it's two weeks, like, are we sure that he wouldn't do a pivot if something looks weird by the playoff game? No. I mean, yeah. I, I think part of it is going to be not not just does Trey – is it two touchdowns and no picks or two touchdowns and one pick or three touchdowns and one pick or three touchdowns and no picks? Part of it is does Kyle Shanahan feel comfortable calling the game? I that that might see, be the biggest part of this dynamic, right? Is, is Kyle comfortable enough with Trey? 
going, I can I can win an NFL playoff game against whoever with this guy as my quarterback. I, I, I think a lot is going to be on how the guy looks. And the, obviously the box score and the production matters. But it was hard to not watch the first. It's understandable. It was his first start ever. But there was a frenetic nature to him, which Kyle is not into frenetic natures. Like even when Jimmy is off, it's his throws that are off, not like he usually, you know, the offense runs pretty normal. That if he looks calm, like I, I watched until my iPad, sh- I didn't charge it. So I went to the gym and I, and I realized halfway through, I'm watching oh. the Charger Texan game. It turns off like in the third quarter. The one thing's pretty clear with Davis Mills, <coughs> looked pretty calm. If you just said, hey, this guy's been a five-year starter for the Houston Texans, right? He just looked like a normal NFL quarterback. Just He throws a nice ball. Does, can Trey just look like that? Just running Kyle's normal plays. And the best part about Kyle's offense, it has a lot of layup plays, right? If the, uh, if the run game's working, some bootlegs, some dump-offs, Jimmy does it every game. The little boot, and you just kind of dump it off, or... You know, the delayed fullback or tight end goes right about it and you just dump it off. And then on top of that, just some basic slant routes that those guys get so many yards after the catch. There is a lot of stuff to make be very quarterback friendly. But when you're a 22-year-old guy that's started one career NFL game, I don't give a shit if you're playing the Texans or you're playing the Utah Utes. Like, it is, it's an intense environment, you know? And, and I just, he doesn't, we talked about it on yesterday's pod. He doesn't have that much experience to go, so they can... I think what gives Kyle the biggest insecurity might be the wrong way to put it, but just unknown to feel super confident about it is he just doesn't know. Yeah. And it goes back, not even just what the defense is going to do, but what his own guy is going to do. And there is a level of like, he knows what Jimmy's going to do beside the occasional when he's off the picks. And that's when he wants to kill him on the sidelines. But for the most part, I, I even think with some of the picks, there's been a couple times I think he said like, Jimmy just went to the wrong guy. And there have been some picks that he just airmails, right? I don't think always his airmail pick is the wrong decision. It just doesn't go in the right direction. And to me, that's where Kyle's big on, which I actually think he something he's going to have to do and adapt to is like, bro, Belichick and Andy don't control everything. You need to kind of, there's got to be a balanced big picture. And it's something that he's going to have to mature into as a coach. Because part of watching the Josh Allen game, which is ultimately the reason they got Trey is for some of the stuff outside of the context. Brian Dayball didn't coach Josh to do some of that shit. It was just remarkable, extraordinary, $150 million guaranteed type plays. And I think Sean McDermott's a good example of, now he's not the offensive play caller, but he's an old school, tough guy, defensive guy. And he empowers that, right? And clearly, like, they did a good job and obviously, Josh is for you know in a different stratosphere given that his reps in the NFL. But like I, I do think there's going to be a learning process with Kyle and Trey. Just naturally, when you're a good athlete, there's a little bit like let me cook, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, they th- dealt with that po- forever with Russ, you know. And I think on the outside, the non die diehard Seattle people have always like. Russ is basically this generation Steve Young. And I think the people that are really close to the sun go, yeah, I think Russ can drive you a little nuts sometimes. With He'll just take off on the left tackle, and then, you know, he didn't need to do that. There's just a balance, and I, that, that's a bigger picture thought. But, like, you just well, never I, truly I, know with younger quarterbacks. I don't think it's just bigger picture. I think it does apply this week because I think so much of, like, Kyle's evaluation is different than ours in the sense that, you know, all of us watching a game on TV or in the stands for that matter, 
we love to see a guy break the pocket, run right, spin out of a sack, then launch a ball 45 yards downfield. That's not necessarily – that's what Kyle Shanahan wants, like big picture. That's not necessarily what he's looking for from Trey Lance right now. What he wants from Trey Lance is make all the same throws Jimmy would make and the same decisions Jimmy – well, make the same decisions Jimmy would make. Maybe not all the – maybe make the throws, you know, some of the ones he might miss. But when Jimmy's on, it's not about doing anything crazy. It's about I'm going to dial it up, okay? I'm the coach. I'm going to come up with some genius shit. Don't screw it up. Like we laugh sometimes kind of that's how Kyle thinks, right? Like – I've got some genius stuff here. If I could go out there and do it myself, I would, but I can't. So you have to go do it for me. So go do what I tell you to do and it'll work. So that's like, if you're Trey, like Trey, how do you get on the field? Just do what Kyle's telling you to do. Execute it. That's how you're going to get on the field. I I thought John Madden summed it up perfectly in the documentary with Belichick reading it, that you go from being good at recess you basically have a degree in PE to winning football games and becoming a genius. So yeah. from recess to We're genius. just gym teachers. <laughs> <laughs> but once you win football games, you're known as a genius, like well, yeah, a, I know. a scientist or something, you know, yep. mathematician. So I had a buddy I, say I, that to me this year. He's like, just because these guys make $6 million a year, don't make them geniuses. Well, no, but they're not all, but it's like any industry, right? They're not all equal. Not every. That's right. But uh, not yeah. every Joe Judge makes eight million dollars. Andy makes a little bit more. They're not on equal playing field, right? Right. So I, I I think one thing watching the Madden documentary, being around Coach Reed and being around you know Coach Hill was actually probably a little closer to Kyle in in my experience, but definitely Andy and John Madden. Obviously, you know we didn't live through John Madden the coach, but just his California roots and the way he was wired. Little open mind, more open minded with like, because we're just a little less less rigid in California than some other states, and they're just more like I think it's been it's been very easy for Andy with Mahomes. He's fucking been dreaming, but it would not be easy with a lot of coaches. I think Andy's had the time of his life the last four years, just letting him cook. Now, I mean, he demands, and I I, I think Kyle. I don't think it would have been as easy. Now, I'm not saying the results might not have been similar. Obviously, the offenses. But I think at Andy's core, he's just he's an open-minded, he's just not rigid. I think there's some rigidity to Kyle. And I think yeah. anytime you have an athletic quarterback, whether it's Herbert, whether it's Lamar, right? There are gonna be stuff that is gonna be, you're gonna be screaming, no, 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 yes. I, I don't think Andy really screams, no, no, no. He just go, kid. I think it'd be easy now. Once Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, it's a lot harder when he's a rookie quarterback or a second year player in the league to trust him. Like that's where Andy, like it's easy. Like if you gave Patrick Mahomes to Kyle Shanahan, now Kyle will have all this evidence of Pat Mahomes. Go, okay, I trust him. Yeah. Well, yeah, we can all trust him now. Could you believe in him then when he was doing some crazy shit, but you go, you know what? This will be worth it in the end. I, I That's I, where I, Andy Reid gets, that's called development. But I think, okay, let's go to Belichick. The uh, I saw this on Twitter, and I, I posted just the end clip on Instagram, but the final drive, Madden did the the Patriot versus Greatest Show on Turf game, him and him and Summerall. And you, you just you realize you just forget, like, you know big picture stuff, what happens in games, like Finitary of the game winning kick, but yeah, you just Brady led him on a game winning drive with no timeouts. And Bill Belichick was not Bill Belichick then, right? He had never won a Super Bowl as a head coach. But he was, you'd have to divide him by a thousand to what he was viewed as then around the league. Right? I think some nerdy, nerdy guys thought believed in the guy. But
But I, he was not viewed as a top 10 coach in the NFL. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year, you get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high-quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get butcherbox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. Butcherbox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, Promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M. Save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. And I would say his defensive background, most people, especially in 2001, you know, run the ball, time of possession, play defense. His quarterback, who, you know, Brady was essentially a rookie because he didn't play his rookie year as a second-year guy, so the equivalent of Mahomes. They didn't have any timeouts, so he let him drive the field. And he pushed the envelope, and he got him into field goal range. And even Madden said on the broadcast, I would kneel this thing and play for overtime. And I think conventional wisdom, that would have done that. But, but Belichick... You know, defensive-minded guy, stiff guy, kind of play balls to the wall. And it'll be interesting. We'll never know. We've seen Kyle with Jimmy. Refuses to do that. <laughs> unless he unless he's down and has to. Tie games, you know, any lead. We're going to half. We're going to OT. And is that the way he's wired? Or is it simply his quarterback? And I just, we simply don't quite know yet. And maybe it'll be a learning process. He'll maybe he'll let him do it once, and then he'll fail, and then go back. I don't know. I will say, if we go back to the Falcons, you you have to earn it. You know, I think some coaches believe that you have to earn it. Yeah, he doesn't trust easily. It doesn't seem like. But I do think if we go back to the Falcons, he 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 coached that game aggressively, right? When people thought he should just run the football, 
he tried to throw and end the game. And it cost him in some ways. Matt Ryan gets sacked. I think sack fumbles. My, That's you'd aggressive. Have to, t- you, to me, you'd have to talk to multiple coaches. I think when you're an assistant coach, he's been on the record before, and if we ever get to sit down with him, I'd love... I think he takes a lot of shit for that. Like his job is to call plays unless the you know off unless the head coach tells you something different. Your game plan's your game plan. The passes have worked. He just kept the pedal to the metal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying though. I, I'm not he, blaming him. He wears him. I'm that saying, loss more than Dan Quinn, and he was no, no, no. I'm coach. not talking about the loss at all. I'm saying he gets that's some insight into how Kyle Shanahan acts with a quarterback he trusts. And, I, and playing devil's advocate could it just be as simple as like Kyle's a huge believer in his game plan because he thinks it's going to work. Their game plan had been thriving all game, throwing the ball. Like, that was the game plan to work. Yeah, right? but he Pass. was going for the kill shot. I think he 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 said it, or Matt Ryan said it. Like, we were going for the kill shot on that play. Dude, uh, when he got to Julio. Fumbled. Yeah, the high tower sack. Yeah. So, I think that's some insight. Now, I want to get back to one. I mean, Matt was the MVP of the league that year, right? It's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot. It's like, can he trust anybody that's not a top five quarterback. Randall said, if it wasn't injury uh, there, if it was injury, they're worried about, then they should have gotten a backup that they trusted in all caps. Um, You know, it's interesting because I think in most scenarios, if this was not Trey Lance, the quarterback that you drafted very high, we'd be like, yeah, well, whatever you got to do, well, you, you always wait as long as you have to wait on the starter. That's what makes the situation a little unique, right? You always wait as long as you possibly can wait to get your starter into the game, your starting quarterback. The drop-off between a starting quarterback and a backup quarterback is usually significant, and there's not like an ongoing, at least for playoff-type level teams, an ongoing season-long which guy should be playing. Like That kind of stuff happens for the Panthers, not for a team that you know is in the playoff race, generally speaking. And I do wonder if Kyle looks at it that way. Like, no, this guy's my starting quarterback. He's my starting quarterback because I think he's better than my backup quarterback, and I want to get my starting quarterback on the field. Now, that leaves out a lot of the details of what the situation really is. Yeah, and a lot of variables. If, and in that type of situation, the backup has to go above and beyond to get himself on the field, right? In most situations, the starting quarterback gets hurt for a week. The backup can throw for 400 yards. It doesn't matter. He's back on the bench the next week. I just think Mahomes and Trey Lance have fallen into – two unique categories that the majority of these rookie quarterbacks over the last half decade have not fallen into. And if you just look at this class, if you take a quarterback in the top 15, they start right now. And usually they're on terrible teams, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, terrible teams. And they've just started, I guess, Zach technically started from day one. He got hurt in the middle of it, but you know, he was their day one starter. Trevor, obviously day one starter fields, came in pretty quick. I mean, I don't know if Dalton even lasted three games. And Mac Jones, while on a playoff team, started the entire time. So Trey's situation used to be more normal, like when we were kids, watching John Madden on, you know, Call Fox games. It just doesn't happen anymore. So that's, you tweeted the thing, like, it is insane that it's taken this long for it to get weird. It kind of is. And they've even avoided it with the, and the guys even started the game. And it, they lost, so it didn't really get that weird. And then Jimmy had a moment where he got them back in the playoff mix. But it is, you just don't, a top 15 quarterback, like we might see over the next couple years, maybe even this draft class, right? Like a Matt Corral gets drafted like 28th or something, you know, just on a playoff team. And maybe he doesn't have to start because like, uh, 
I was going to use Roethlisberger, but he's a bad example. But, you know, like an older quarterback, I, I can't even I even know who the guy would be. But the equivalent of like a, a, a Roethlisberger or Rivers who's got one more year, that guy, that's, that's kind of normal. But when you get drafted really high, it tends to be shitty teams or a good team trading up to get them, and that guy fucking starts. The guy just starts. Like, I think Mac Jones is what happens when good teams get a rookie. Like, Belichick just named him the starter <laughs> week one. Now, remember, they went through some... Tough times. Well, Cam, was season. Cam was Cam a COVID at first? Is that why Mac no, became no, a starter? Uh, yeah. At a uh, no. Remember in he went pre-season. to get a test or something. Yeah, something happened. Oh yeah, weird. there was something weird with him. Yeah, maybe he would have become a starter. But he did not make it to the fifty-three man roster, right? They named Mac no, Jones no, no. a starter. But something and, happened with Cam. But maybe Mac was going to take the job anyway. Yeah, it was like he was supposed to be back on time and he wasn't, and he didn't pass a test or something weird kind of happened. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, anyway, uh, Tobin asks, who's better, Hainer or Ian Book? I mean, Ian Book, I, I think a lot of people, the casual fans just making fun of him, is probably better than you think. I would imagine Hainer's a little bit better of a thrower. Kind of similar players, to be honest with you. Yeah. Ian Book started for three years at Notre Dame on teams that made the playoffs. Like he's, I think people just make fun of Ian Book right now. He's pretty good. He'll have a five-year practice squad NFL career. Maybe I'll more. promise you this. There are several Sean Payton types around the league. Like he's, you know how Nick Mullins is with like the Shanahan crew? Just like, just kind of keep Nick Mullins around. You're going to look up. Nick Mullins is not going to have, you know, the Tyler Bray career where he threw six career passes. He's going to have an eight-year career where he got to start 12 games in his career and be a backup for several one of the, and get paid $900,000. I think Ian Book is going to have some people that just you know, want to root for him. Now, he's going to have to like beat guys out in training camp, but I bet his career is a little longer than people just assume it'll be. Uh, Eric says, to say Jimmy hasn't played a big factor of why this team has won the last few months, you're in denial. Of course, it's not all on him, but to say Lance would be playing just as well is not fair. I don't know. I think Jimmy Matt Mayoko, does deserve- Matt Mayoko. Jimmy Garoppolo did not practice today. That's all he tweeted. <laughs> So he was a DNP, you know, the practice report that comes out Wednesday, yeah, Thursday. So then Friday. we got a he Wednesday without a practice. Yep. Makes it. I don't think he's of the status, back to what we originally talked to, getting DNP'd all three games because he can't throw and then give it a go on Sunday. That to me is pretty nuts. Uh I think he I think I think his status is irrelevant. I think it's is he can he throw on Sunday? I like in Kyle's mind. Can he throw on Sunday? Like if he rolls out and looks good, which I don't think is what's gonna happen. I don't think that's likely, not with a hand injury, but like you don't think if he could throw if he if like Kyle rolled out and Jimmy was miracle heel, I can throw now he'd be the, he wouldn't be the starting quarterback. I think the problem is as the game planner because he's the offensive coordinator, you kind of have to start. That's true. That's, yeah, you know, doing things like Trey. What do you like, right? Because part of this week again a little more difficult for Kyle. It's not just what is Kyle like because he knows Jimmy can do it all. It's like it's a little bit more give and take. Like Trey, are you comfortable doing this? What have we seen him do? You're working with McDaniels and, and Rich Scangarello, like what he's been like at practice over the last two months. To me, it's a little bit, I would say it's probably more team effort with Trey than it would be with, hey, Jimmy, here's the game plan. It's like, hey, Trey, on Tuesday when they knew Jimmy was uh, compromised, I bet Trey's sitting there with Kyle and the offensive coordinator for a couple hours, just like, hey, this is what we're thinking. Are you comfortable doing these things? Do you like this? It, you, It would be 
negligent to not operate like that with a young guy. You couldn't just be like, here's the thing. And he's like, uh, I don't, I'm not the footwork on this one. I'm still, uh, still getting my feet under me on that one. Uh, the timing, uh, me and, uh, old Sherfield in practice been a little off. Can we, uh, can we give that one a couple reps in practice before we just put that thing as the number two call of the game? Kyle's like, Sherfield, the guy that covers punts. <laughs> He's like, that's my go-to receiver over a scout team. Uh, but hey, uh, we've been lighting up by uh, Ambry Thomas. That's right. Uh, carving. Uh, Hund Million says Texans plus 500 money line is juicy. I think the 49ers are winning this game. Before my iPad went all black because it wasn't charged, Davis Mills throws a beautiful ball. Very catchable. He does. It's, it's like a He's more big. powerful. He's got a strong arm. Yeah, but he but has now, touch. Yeah, to me it was like uh he's a good athlete. Kind of got like a stronger arm Dak just with the way the ball looks in the air. Just mm, a beautiful just like a, very very catchable. Just he a solid a beautiful go round to Conley that I thought well that would be a touchdown against the Niners cuz Amory Thomas would have given it up too, but he threw a nice deep ball. It was a touchdown. He looks he, the part like they might he does. I mean he's got a good neck. Long neck. Long necked. But just he's he's athletic too. I think we've joked about this. The Stanford guys put knee braces on. It makes him look sometimes less athletic. But he's athletic. Uh, do you agree that money line plus five hundred is juicy with a hundred million on the stream? No, I do not. Uh, Mr. Corey says Lance has been learning for months. Kittle and Debo are on fire. Jennings having emerged. Mitchell and Sermon back, and Houston at home. If Trey can't start now, then when? Sermon. So there's that detail. <laughs> I mean, Jeff Wilson Jr. has been playing well. I, that's yeah. more important to me than Trey Sermon's return. But agree. Um, Maybe that helps so Hightower, the, you know, on some, uh, some clunts. <laughs> what's he going to do? Huh? Can He's you return clunts now? If Wisnowski misses Sermon? this week because of COVID and just this random punter that I'm sure Kyle wasn't super locked in at the workout because he's worried about Trey and Jimmy. And the punter shanks a couple punts, what everyone, you know, I mean, which is, you know, very plausible. <laughs> Just a disaster punt situation. That, even if the Niners win, but it's one of those, like, he shanks a punt and it leads to the Texans taking a 7 nothing lead or something. Yeah. And it's Hightower again. You're like, oh, my God. It's going to be – there's two punters he's deciding between. So, at some point, it's not like they brought one guy in. Like, they brought in one other quarterback. But there's a decision is being made this week about which guy. Like there's a punting competition going on, you know, which means you're not spending as much time on kickoff return coverage, probably. So there's this competition going on. It's kind of it might be. Is it going to rain on Sunday? And I it might actually clear up by then. But a decision's getting made. It's be one of those like Kyle. Uh, just real quick, I was going to go with Middlecoff over Haberman. You cool with that? And Kyle's like, uh, oh, what was your evaluation again? Like, oh nine instead of eight like okay yeah i guess we'll go with him you know when people say don't micromanage it is easy to say and it's easy to not micromanage when like brian flores is your defensive coordinator or if like sean mcdermott you just got like brian dayball and you're like yeah i just the guy's like i'm pretty good or dan quinn kyle shanahan like you micromanage your offense like no kyle we got the number one offense in the league it's another thing and i think anyone listening can relate you know if you have a job whether you own it or not, and you have someone working for you, if you have multiple times where you are not comfortable trusting that person do something, it's impossible to not micromanage. You end up wasting your time worrying about what they're doing because you don't trust them. 
So you end up treating them like you would your kid or whatever, because you just, you have to worry about what you have to worry about yourself. And then you have to worry about what people under you are trying to do that ultimately is going to be a reflection on you. So it gets very, very, it's why so many assistant coaches, I think in college and the pros end up getting fired because sometimes in college, and I bet it happens in pros too, like you get pressure from an administration or an owner to fire an individual coach. And there's, I'm sure a lot of times when the, when the head coach just simply goes, when I hired this guy, I, I assumed he was good. I got, and then I was around him for two years and he, I, I couldn't trust. I don't think he's any good at his job, which honestly, you know, with all the different variables in football could be like half, you know, 50% of the, I think there are a lot of random times when guys get fired that it's out of the head coach's control. Cause there's a small percentage of head coaches that are truly in charge of everything. I mean, if the yeah. owner wants a guy gone, the guy's gone. Right, like a position coach. I think that happens more than the average fan would realize. Uh, D says, I still think we get a high pick for Jimmy considering the lack of quarterback options for next year and so many teams needing one right now. You know, uh, how we define high pick, is we could probably do it a few different ways, but I don't think you're getting anything better than a third at this point. I think a fourth-round pick is what you're getting. If they were to get a third for Jimmy Garoppolo... The Niners should be commended. They acquired you know, him for a second. Think they're getting a fourth. Third. I'll fourth be so shocked if, if they got anything. Because part well, of it's the, the money. You'd have to negotiate. Like, he'd have to negotiate a, a, a quote-unquote extension, right? Like a two-year, thirty million dollar contract or something. Yeah. Yeah. Would it behoove him to do that to be, go be the starting quarterback for the Giants? Maybe it would. You know. Well, in his way, I think the Giants are going to trade for Russell Wilson, but. W. Russell Wilson? Or will he get we, we, can, we can get to that. Uh, Miguel says, I doubt you get more than one playoff win with Jimmy, so you might as well let it ride with Trey. Agreed. What's the bigger storyline, Jimmy versus Tom or the rookie versus Tom? When's that game? In the first round? Yeah, you play the Bucks. I think, honestly, I think Trey, the Jimmy versus Tom is like a superficial, it's not really a thing. You could, it makes for a good photo, like the two of them, but it's not really anything. Trey Lance is a bigger story than Jimmy Garoppolo if Trey Lance is starting. It's, I mean, the story is Tom versus the San Francisco 49ers, who he wanted to sign with and didn't, they didn't do it because they denied him. The story, uh, the real matchup, as Bonfante says, is Tom versus time. <laughs> Yeah, Tom, yeah, exactly. They, the Niners said, now you could argue, what was Tom's quote to the barbershop? Uh, why they, they chose that scrub or something. Wait, that what word your... did he use? Did he say scrub? Yeah, fucking... Did he curse? Yeah, I thought he dropped an F-bomb in there. Remember, we thought it was more Tannehill than Jimmy, but... We did, Could have been Jimmy. Could have been Jimmy. He did take Jimmy to the Kentucky Derby. That's true. We, we did think maybe he wouldn't talk that way about Jimmy. Now he but, took Kobe Brissett too. I mean, he took everybody. He's the greatest teammate in the history of teammates. So I mean, if if you're just in Tom's presence, if you're like a backup guard, you might have gone. I think Trey's just the bigger story. Period. What do yeah, you think? I tend to agree. No, I don't. T- I mean, I agree. Anytime a rookie quarterback makes an NFL playoff start, it's a really big deal, right? But I just think he's their rookie. He's the Niners' rookie quarterback. Like it's the Niners. Yeah, and his story, how they the acquired him, right? I mean, just. Part of it is they traded three first round pick. Like they, they took a swing for that. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's and, and he's the guy that no one's really seen of the rookie quarterbacks. Yeah. 
So I think we should keep going on Jimmy questions right now. Trey Lance scenarios. Uh, Brady was bashing Jimmy G over. I don't know. Anyway, what's your confidence level? They win the game at this point. Yeah, I mean, high. I mean, they're just way better. They have way more premium players. It would be uh, be the worst Dude. loss of like the, the the loss was devastating on Thursday night because of how they lost. I mean, they've lost much worse fashion. Like the Titans are good. You know, part of it is like the Titans. Mike Vrabel, Google is record. His, his Kyle Shanahan would sell his left testicle to have Mike Vrabel's record. Now Kyle got to a Super Bowl. Mike only got to an AFC Championship, but. You watch Vrabel's teams. Now, you could say the AFC South obviously a little worse with the Texans now, and the obviously the Jags suck. The NFC West is harder, but Google Vrabel beat this year. McVay, Andy, he's beat Belichick in a playoff game. He beat John Harbaugh in a playoff game. Like, Belichick, or Vrabel is, guy, if Vrabel, instead of being former Ohio State and New England Patriot outside linebacker tough guy, was like former Ohio State and New England Patriot quarterback who won a Super Bowl, we would talk about him like he was Kyle Shanahan. But he's a defensive guy, so we don't. Right. Like his we record don't know is exactly what he does, except win fucking football games at a high rate. Yeah, I'm just saying offensive guys don't get talked about the same way. No, they don't. I think it's somewhat unfair for a guy, especially a guy like him who's young and cool. I don't right. think he gets much recognition. Now, his I mean, honestly, a little smaller. I feel like Dick LeBeau got more credit than most head coaches get if they're defensive head coaches that don't call the plays. Like Dick LeBeau got a ton of credit as a coordinator. Defensive coordinators, Vic Fangio as a defensive coordinator got a ton of credit. Zimmer, before he got hired, was always yep. was pretty famous defensive coordinator. Todd Bowles now is pretty highly thought of, right? Wade. Do you remember, when, you remember when Spagnola with the Giants beat the 07 Patriots? It was like, oh, he's a head coach. And he just became a head coach, and then he failed. But it was like, that guy beat Brady, head coach. You get you get a lot of credit when you run it. Buddy Ryan's like I, one of the more famous coaches of all time, and he's just known for being the defensive coordinator of the '85 Bears. You see, Dan Quinn told the Jags, "No thanks." Seriously? Yeah. Now he, he said, maybe he knew like I wasn't really getting hired, but why would they enter? I mean, I think it's a little weird. Like, I would he talk to you? It's pretty weird. Now maybe he's like, I don't want that job, and I'd rather just focus on the Dallas Cowboys playoff run right now. It's weird because if you look at Twitter, everyone, you know, obviously the media around here at Balky was really, really mean to. I mean, legitimately, I'm not being sarcastic here. Like, was an asshole. I've said it before. Like, in my limited interactions with him, he was always cool to me. Like, we always had a relatively good relationship. But, like, his reputation is pretty bad, you know? I mean, I I think his reputation around around the league with just fans with media people that have covered him. Like, I don't, I just don't think people think that highly of him. And I, I do wonder, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that like, if it gets back, cause remember this happened with Joe Banner, like six, seven years ago when all these candidates were like, we're not going to take the job as long as this guy's telling us what to do. And then he has them fired him. And then they hired, I, I forget who they hired. Might've been, what's his name that beat uh, Tom Sula. <laughs> uh, What's his name? Petten. Tom P- Petten. Mike Petten. That I do you think it's out of the realm of possibility if people just keep turning them down that Balky ends up getting fired because all these coaches are like, I'm not going to take your job with this guy. Yeah, I mean, no, it's a good point. I wonder who does Shad Khan have anybody else that gives him advice? This kid. 
I thought he was doing the wrestling. And then I also go back. It hit me the other day. Now, he might be a dick or whatever, like, and very difficult to work with. But his resume as, you know, early on as a GM, like, he was a big part of why Harbaugh came. He picked a lot of the good players on the team. Like, I, I see a lot more guys get anointed in the profession than, like, Trent does have a resume of some success, right? He was a general manager of a team that won the NFC. He was a GM of a team that, like, now he inherited some of those players, but he also picked some of them. You potty, pick some, some Davis, of the really good ones. Bowman, yep. Kaepernick. Uh, I mean, the guy ended up going, he might be in or whatever. I think Bruce Miller was, you know, pretty incredible six-round pick. They had a run of some wild drafts, like impressively good, wild. What was Do you agree the way he's talked about is probably a little unfair for his resume? Um, Got weird at the end, very. I don't know. My inc- I, I want to say yes, that yes, it's a little unfair. I could care less how we talk to them. I mean, it, I love when somebody's just a respectful, good person. No, I, I, don't, I don't. I don't mean the way he talked to them. No, no, no I, I, I know. He I'm was like I, a dick I, to them, like off the camera. I think he was an yeah, asshole. I, I just, but that has nothing. Like that has nothing to do with whether or not he can win football games. There have been plenty of assholes that were good at their jobs. Like the problem is, is he? Does he make bad personnel decisions? Is he hard to work with for a head coach? Like those are far more important. Yeah. To Shad Khan. Like, who cares if he's an asshole if, if coaches want to work with him? What difference does it make? No, it doesn't. But I'm saying that that would be the yeah, reason yeah, the no, coaches I, don't want to sign up. I'm saying there's a difference between the media thought he was a dick and the coaches don't want to work with him. Like, that's more real. But the well, coaches don't want to work I, with I him. Think yeah, every, yeah. I think everyone falls under that. Like, the, the fans, but the, I'm the saying media, the, and the coaches. The coaches didn't form that opinion because they read everything that's getting tweeted about him. Right? Yeah, true. It's what they've been told inside the yeah. building. Yeah. Yeah. And are they being told like, yes, shot, shot. Are they saying like, Hey, yes, it is. a You are coming to work for Trent. Yeah. I don't know. You'd probably ask that, especially all the coaches they want to talk to are good teams. Like, Hey, if I'm gonna take time out of my day to do this interview, can you just give me some background? Like, do I get to pick the roster? Is this guy picking the roster before I even sit down and talk with you? I don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste my time. I got work to do. I did see Doug Peterson interviewed with them. I saw somebody write that Doug wouldn't care if there was a GM there. I don't think he wouldn't. So, I, but I don't think he wants to be like yelled at all the time. Like he, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I <coughs> excuse me. Uh, so lock of the week, something we do every week. We've um, w- it's Wednesday as we record this. We've gone a few different ways. I mean, Colts minus six and a half. We thought about betting that, trans, full transparency. We thought about just betting that, not knowing who the quarterback's going to be, uh, thinking maybe it'll be Wentz, and if it is Wentz, then they'll cover six and a half against the Raiders, but we decided not to do that, so we'll wait. We'll just, we're just we going to hold here. I do kind of like the Rams minus three and a half, but it's at the Ravens, but I, I do like that game. I like the I like. I'd be... I would be okay betting on that game right now. Cool. I'll do it. Uh, Randall on the stream says, I love the intro. Middlecoff, hey, behaves. My wife thinks it's silly, but what does she know? I was thinking about w- whether we should mix it up in 2022. Yeah. Like had a what? good run. Just, I, I don't know. Just how do most people introduce, you know? Well, hey, I think I, I, that's I the problem. Be oppo- I wouldn't be opposed. Introductions are really hard. Let's just start something new. 
Why not 2022? I'm opposed. You'd have to convince me because I think, A, introductions are really hard. B, it's just an easy thing that you're known for. People just yell it. Someone yelled it at me at a crosswalk like three weeks ago. Maybe Abe's like that. And I think the, and I think those people know, and they're just in the loop. It's like the people that I listen to like Nirvana or Pearl Jam in like '87 before they went super mainstream. I don't I necessarily a, have what to do, but I I I, I kind of want to go with the change. I haven't. I don't know the change though. Yeah, I am pro change. I don't. I just my I my basic instinct is to disagree on changing that because it's such a simple signature that doesn't take anything. Uh. But I could be convinced again. My my inclination is not to stay the same. It is to change. But I think it's such a simple. I don't want to call it a catchphrase. I'd say. But. I'd say. You know, we when we started doing it. You know, close to thirty years old. You get start getting closer to forty. You just you just adapt. You know. I, I don't know. I'm not saying it's cheesy, because you're right. I mean, people do it. It's an easy thing. It takes two seconds. But I'm not opposed to uh, throwing a new pitch again. It, we again, just say, hey, what's up? I, I think part of the problem is how if does there have listen- to be an intro. Does there have just to be go one? listen to how sh- things start. It's hard to start. Just Let's listen go. to how people start. Sh- yeah, it's, it's like we're here. <laughs> Today's Rev opening rant. You know. Rev up the engines. Yeah, before I get into my opening take. Yeah. So it's a podcast guy. The mediums. We just hey, we're here. I'll have to think but you have that. to say something first. Hey. <laughs> yeah, it could be hey. What if it's, uh, what if we wanted to go with like an island vibe, like the island boys, and go aloha, aloha, say say hello in like thirty different languages, <laughs> every single day. It's like Mandarin, you know, uh, yeah. Arabic. You just get you just move down the line. See I, that I'm open. Uh, that not a terrible idea. We just start with aloha and then just figure today's it out show is there. brought to you by Guatemala, <laughs> and then we yeah. <laughs> so. You know, I mean, started like, like my, started like my Michael Buffer. Yeah, once upon a time, someone was like, "Hey, Michael, maybe you want to try something different." And then Michael's like, "Screw you!" And now he makes like fifty million dollars every time he says it. Every time he says it. I don't know if Hey Behaves and, and Middlecoff are going to be, uh, you know, let's get ready to rumble though. You don't think we'll be at like UFC nine eighty five? I also get confused. Does he have a cousin or a brother or a son? I mean, there's a, a couple br- of them. There's Bruce. Wait, yeah, there's Bruce is his brother. I That's wouldn't be shocked Bruce. if there's a son out there too. I mean, there's- Bruce does. It's time. <laughs> okay. I think there's a family gathering, and they're like, "All right, let's split up the greetings." I get. Let's get ready to rumble. Bruce gets. It's time. And there's like another brother, and what what does that brother get? Hey, everybody. How's everybody so, doing tonight? Like someone you know. on the stream just said, "When does the head shaming segment start?" I got a question for you. Did you were you making fun of Matt Matt Campbell's hairline? I didn't follow the joke because I thought his hairline looked pretty good. Or was no, no, no. I was trying to expand into facial hair. Okay, he had facial hair that looked painted on. It was so well manicured, but maybe I didn't land the joke well. Well, I kind of thought that's what you were saying, but I was like, is he taking a shot? I think his hair looks okay. No, hairline was good. I was just thought maybe we could expand into mustache or no mustache, you know, beard or no beard, like that type of thing. You don't like the perfectly manicured, like Drake. It's not even that I don't like it. I just, it was, how's it, it even it possible was, to get it like that? It was super clean for a head football yeah. coach. That's all. You know, send us back pictures, shave it or save it. We could, you know, we could go <laughs> hairy ass women with armpit hair. Yeah. We could, you know, there's a lot of yeah. directions we could go here. So I don't know. All right. Uh, you, did you watch the Madden documentary yesterday? I watched yeah, it they, Saturday. They, they, re, they, re, they replayed it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 
my first reaction was, I can't believe he lived until that thing aired. And then I remember they started running promos for that several months ago. So obviously they shot it. I don't know when, maybe end of 21. You could tell the way he was talking. I mean, he was struggling to speak a little bit. Beginning of 22. Did you notice that when he was talking? You know, sometimes. Yeah, it didn't. There wasn't a lot of talking. It was a lot of him watching, which I thought I thought that was a cool kind of element. Yeah, I I, I think if you're younger than us, it, it's really hard to quantify his relationship with Brett Favre and the love he had for him and the power in which he had to make him such a star. And I'm not Brett was. If you never listened to the volume of Brett Favre games in the '90s, like he's. You know, if you had to do the rankings, I was thinking about this today, it'd probably be Michael Jordan in the 90s would be an easy number one. It might be like Ken Griffey Jr. would be like number two. I, Brett Favre would be in the top five, right? Just fame, star power. He'd probably be three. And depending on what you like, he might be ahead of Griffey Jr. If Michael Michael's a, you know, a lock number one, like there's just, Brett was might have been number two. And I think the love John Madden had for him, and he was right. Like he put all of his chips in the middle and you you got to feel a little bit in the documentary, and, and they it, it's hard. I mean, there's so much going on over a timeline. But when I think John Madden, I, I think his love of Brett, Favre, but not just it's just the way he played, right? Like it's and ultimately like what he stood for. The All Madden team was like everything really Brett kind of encapsulated. Like you'd have to drag him off the field, which you literally did at the end of his career, and the way he played. Now I do wonder if there are some similarities. Because you and I never witnessed this guy, but like Kenny the Snake Stabler from the South, total tough guy, throwback. Everyone just was everyone's favorite player, just but kind of freelance too. Like to me, who did? And again, I know Andy's good friends with John. Is like they're kind of these California open mind. Like not every coach would the Shanahan's of like Kenny the Snake Stabler. Like he ain't he fucking just does his own shit. You know, Andy would have loved him. John did love him. Brett Favre. I mean, he's Andy's favorite player. There's just. The, the way they were wired, that type guy, you know, it's, it makes sense. He would have loved Brady, too, because Brady's really kind of – he did, you know, early on. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, if he, in the peak of his career, just got to call him for 20 years, I think Brady and Manning, he would have – and he did. Peyton even said it. He's like, it was a big deal when John said, like, these guys are coming. Watch out. And Peyton was like, you know, we couldn't really say it because we'd be like, who the fuck are these guys? But it was like, we was like, okay, we might be on to something. I, I love one of the best stories from that documentary was Peyton talking about Papa, his grandpa. He was like, every week, Papa would ask me, is John Madden doing your game? This was his rookie year when they were terrible. He's like, no, Papa, not this week. You know, John, John doesn't do our games. But then they got a primetime game against the Cowboys against Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. And now and so, you know, because of that, Madden was there. And there's something to be said for. You know, people who are the show, and there aren't a lot of them like him, where it's like when he shows up, it it's a big game, but it's also a big game because Madden is there. Does there it was exist a, anymore? Well, I do think, um, I think there's some of that stuff. Like, I don't think it's on Madden's level. It's ever it's going to be hard to ever go back to Madden's level because there are just more options. Everything is it's true. It's cliche now that people say things get segmented and broken up, but it's true. It was just. That's a fact. There's a lot. There's just there are fewer TV shows, and it's John not. It's not, NFL, it's not arguable. You know, you don't. If there's a, if there's 20 basketball games on, if you put one on, the one's going to be more important than the 20. I mean, it's yeah. Just, you know. So, I, I there was a quote. 
I went back and read some of the, you remember the oral history of how Fox took the NFL, that the, the ringer wrote it three years ago or something. Yeah. And one of the quotes in it is Jerry Jones talking about why, <clears throat> why he built the stadium he built. And he's like, he's one of the things he basically said was, well, 50% of the money I, I spent was just so John Madden would come to the stadium and tell people you got to come to the stadium. Like kind of kidding, but kind of just saying like John Madden is there's an old phrase people used to use called tastemaker. You know, now you probably use the word influencer, but impressing John Madden was part of what Jerry thought was important. And I think that's just way his way of saying like one, what John said mattered. What John said was good, was good. What John said was bad, was bad. What John said was impressive, was impressive. Like John was probably the most trusted person the NFL's ever had. And and maybe it's the the greatest spokesperson the sport has ever had. Wouldn't you say he's one of the all-time great in the history of American capitalism, one of the greatest salesmen that's ever existed? You mean because of the sports or because of like his his advertising stuff? I'm just saying he sold the sport of football on all the broadcasts and made people love football. Like he was essentially a sales guy for the NFL. And for them and the networks, it was worth it because you were coming to watch him and then he would just sell you and you just fell in love with the sport. And most people never play the sport slash understand the sport. And it was like, you just wanted to, he would just convince you because he would convince you on players, which I think a big reason. And again, Favre would have been a Favre won MVPs. I think Madden took his stardom, sold the American people on Brett Favre to another level. It's one thing I've been thinking about the last 24 hours. Yeah, I think he probably did. I think he's one of the most important sports figures in the history of America. I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, because football is the biggest sport that the country's ever had. And I think I heard uh, Greg Papa say it. Like, or Well, Greg said some version of this as well. Somebody else said some version of, oh, I think it was, did Belichick say it? that he's the most significant figure in the history of the sport. Um, and it's the biggest sport this, I mean, it's the biggest sport this country's ever seen now. So yeah, I mean, he it automatically makes him one of the biggest sports figures in the country's history for like a million reasons. Cause your 70 year old was watching him and your nine year old was playing his video game. See, and I, if I was talking, if I was like a consultant and the CBS guy with Romo, for example, like he, Madden was worth it for the networks paying that. If you look back at Romo, and part of it is ego, CBS found, finds Romo. They take a huge swing. They kick Phil Sims off the broadcast. They put him with Nance, and it works. And then because you just signed like a couple year contract, like it's not, you're not getting a 10 year, you're not Patrick Mahomes. All of a sudden, he's a free agent, and ESPN comes at him. Now, they, they have an ego. They don't want to lose Tony Romo to Monday night. I don't think anyone would have fucking noticed after a couple years. If they would have just gone with, you know, whoever the next guy is. Now it might have been bad for it might have had might have had to move multiple guys over a couple year period, which clearly they don't want to do. But there is Romo doesn't pencil because he doesn't draw any eyeballs, and that's the difference of like Madden, of like Romo's just. And listen, I'm not counting his pockets, but I could put Greg Olson there and they would get the exact same rating. That just wasn't true with John Madden because at the time, like to get people. I, obviously, there was less places for people to go, but football was not as popular nationally anywhere near what it is now. Like, it, people, we're going to watch football whether 
you know, John Middlecoff's calling the game or whether Tony Romo's calling it. It doesn't matter where, where it did then. And they, they all admitted it. Like, it, that's why he always had this bidding process because of how much better. Well, part of it was Fox was not viewed as a sports network. And they legitimized themselves by hiring John. Once they got John to sign on, right? What do you think Pat signed for? Like five for five or something? <laughs> See, I, I think, I don't think the, the CBS broadcast ratings go down if Romo's not there, but... Like you mentioned, Greg Olson. I think Greg Olson might be the best analyst on TV going right now. He's on a short list of guys. So, you know, does your rating go down? No, but like I think Monday Night Football would feel different if Tony Romo was doing it. Like I do think there's just a basic level of like we need a star doing the star game. If this is what it costs, it doesn't pencil necessarily, but we're still making money in the end. And the one thing we know is we have a star doing this game and it's going to feel big because of that. Because also going to do the Super Bowl, can you trust him in that moment to do the best possible broadcast? So I don't know. At a certain number, I don't know how it "quote unquote" pencils, you know. But I do. I, I disagree on Romo. Just that I think he has clearly quickly established himself as yeah, Barzalo with the group. It's hard. Well, I'm not, and I talk a lot of shit. I I couldn't do it. I don't have any aspirations to. Do it. It's a very difficult role to do, and it's clear there's been a small percentage. Like, there have been more good football players than there have been good analysts. Most analysts, historically, are just not good. And some of the most famous people, Jerry Rice, Emmitt Smith, Joe Montana, Bill Walsh, like, fail at it immediately. So it's I'm not trying to act like Tony. He's obviously better than the majority of people, but it just shows what a different level that John was on, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, John was, yeah. How about, Mon- really? not only did Montana turn down EA Sports first, what I read, but Joe Cap, who was the head coach at Cal, then turned it down. Then they got to Matt. It was going to be Cap football. Maybe they're just going to call it EA Sports football. I don't know. But it was going to be Montana. Did I say Cap or Nap? Or was it Nap? K. Uh, I think it was Nap. K N A P P. Got you. Um. And then I got to Madden. And then somebody told me that before they went to George Foreman, it was going to be Hulk Hogan. That was going to get the grill. And Hulk said no, because Hulk was doing a blender deal. And so then it got the foreman. See, on like things like that, there is a huge, and I bet John would have told you till the day he died. Like, there's an element of luck with the blenders, the grills, the video games, like what pops and what doesn't, right? There's a huge timing There, there is, to it. but you know what? Somebody else, would somebody else getting Madden football, would Montana getting Madden football have done the same? Maybe the video game would have been just as big, but it would not be the same if it was Montana football. I don't. Well, know. they t- they talked about it in the thing, right? It was Tecmo and Madden, and then Madden just t- wiped Tecmo disappeared. <laughs> I mean, so it was like Uber and Lyft, but like one of them just and then it just becomes Lyft, right? That's what Madden did. But the Foreman Grill is a good example. Do you, maybe George Foreman was just that big of a star. <laughs> yeah, Foreman probably would have been fine. Everybody had a Foreman in college that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a it was a great product, right? You just yeah, throw something yeah, on there and cook it. It was it worked. It was a legit. It, like Madden, it was legit. Yeah, uh, but the documentary is great for anybody. I I think one other part about him, you kind of forget. It's a weird, he did this incredible thing where he's so well respected, revered, but also is kind of goofy when he wants to be. You know, like I think that's fun to me. I thought all the commercials was I don't remember those commercials for the most part. I don't know if you do. I didn't remember the Miller Lite commercials. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember you don't, you don't remember tough acting to acting tough acting to acting. I remember. Yeah. Boom. Tough acting to acting. Really a great commercial. But I I loved all those things in that documentary because it, it was like, I didn't know 
I mean, I knew, you know, oh, look at this water cooler. That's the mama water cooler, and that's the daddy water cooler. And over here, this is the baby water cooler. He was so good at being goofy, but also not, you know, he wasn't like, sometimes you say goofy, like, oh, is it kind of like a clown? Like, no, 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 not at all like that. Just a normal, just a super, My actually, my favorite, favorite part was all the clips of him just like walking into random diners. Like, I thought that stuff was awesome. You know, like then he took the bus, just got off the bus. People would come up to him hanging out outside of the re- the restaurant, taking pictures well, with him. Well, one thing that he had built into his life that these guys now just don't because he refused to fly is you end up having to stop to eat somewhere. And times were different, so it was probably a little more normal to do stuff like that now. But when John, when Jim Nance, and obviously Jim, I mean, now here's the thing. Madden is one of the most relatable guys that really is not that relatable. He's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He has a massive house. He has a bigger house than Jim Nance at Pebble Beach. I don't, I've heard it's not even close. Like John, John Madden has a compound there. Like he spends a lot of time in the Carmel area. I wouldn't be shocked if he owns like five homes there. But John felt like just kind of an everyman guy. And some of that is anytime you're a little fatter, I, I think you're just a little more relatable. I think they've done studies on that. Because the one thing his fat, like fate, and he's just a big guy, wears it well. And a unique looking person. Yeah, you just, he felt pretty. His big unique. eyebrows. Uniques probably. Red hair when he was young. You see, I wonder how Belichick's much. Quote was, the one thing about John Madden is you never mistook anybody else for John Madden. Like from like, you know, 30 yards away, you're like, that's John Madden. When he retired at 42 years old or whatever. And Al, in the peak of his powers, right? Like, I mean, sharp as ever, crazy as ever. If it just warm, like he just working for Al Davis was not easy. Like, do you think that was a reason? Because they were winning. Good. Absolutely. <laughs> and he's just like, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna jump off a cliff. I can't do this another ten years. Because yeah, he wasn't gonna get fired. I mean, guy, they were kick- He went to seven conference finals. You know, he has the best winning percentage of any coach in the history of the league that coached at least hundred games. Is it? He they had a they had a Hall of Famer at every position group, and many several. Think about that. They were really good. I mean, they just happened to be in the conference with Pittsburgh. If they weren't, they would have been in way more Super Bowls because they got to the Super Bowl and they dominated. But it's just hard to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? I mean, they ended up winning four. It's one of those things like they sound bitter now, but I think a lot of guys from the 90s be like, God damn, if Michael wasn't around, I would have fucking had two, <clears throat> right? Yeah. Yep. It's been cool I think watching was, a bunch I, of I think, I, I, think, I think he was friends with a lot of coaches in the NFL, especially the older group, like the Andy Reid, Belichick. I think they talked to him. You'd be surprised. Not you. I mean, just I think people would be like his his interactions and his his friend group. I can't even imagine how massive it was of just, you know, like the Ron Rivera, just guys older that I'm sure, especially the California guys. Because it's just, it's a natural bond. I say it all the time. There is, there's a natural bond when you're from somewhere. It's like the Ohio guys all kind of like the California guys. Like, you know, you saw Steve Mariucci last night on TV crying. I bet Andy's pretty shook. I mean, these guys just, you idolize people when you're kind of from a similar area as them who do what you want to do or are involved in what you want to do. It's just a I, natural uh, human instinct. Yeah, I just think he, I think he's a lot of friends with a lot of people. Like Mooch said in his NFL, you texted me like Mooch is on NFL Network, so I flipped it on yesterday and the story about how Madden has like a room, you know, with a bunch of TVs and all his friends and family come over. And he's like, there'd be 
there'd be parents of players that come over. Like anybody wants to come hang. John has food. Everyone's just hanging out watching football. Um, and then I was texting with a buddy yesterday who who works in football and knows some of the guys who were on those like original Madden crews. There was one guy in the piece. I think his name was Jimmy with a Z was his last name, but he's in it a lot. And uh, he said, Matt, that, yeah. yeah, he said Madden would text that guy every like until like Madden would text that guy every week watching your game, something like that. I think Madden well, sent a lot of text messages. That guy still works games. Yeah. So did you know that he went to Oregon out of high school? Had no idea. Did you know that John Robinson played at Oregon? Did not know that. They were friends. I mean, I, well, I thought friends, they. Oh, John Robinson went to Oregon too. They went together. John hated it and left. And th- which John thought, hated it and left? Madden. He got like a knee injury. I thought I read right. He got kind of banged up, but he said he hated the weather, and he hated. Yeah, he just hated it. So he ended up at Cal Poly. He went, well, he went to College of San Mateo first. Madden. No, he went to Oregon. Then he went to San Mateo. Then he yeah. goes to Cal Poly. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, yeah. yeah. But Robinson, he knew from like. Grew up in Daly City together or whatever. Hmm. I did not know that. He does a football life that I was watching on NFL Network before the, the new documentary came up. They used to play this game. You know, two fat guys getting ice cream and they would play this game bite or no bite. Wait, wait, guy, if who you, would play this game? John Robinson and John and Madden, former USC coach and LA Rams coach and John Madden, same <laughs> okay, age, best friends. You yeah. each get a double ice cream cone. And if you can say bite or no bite first, I, I don't exactly know the timing of this. You get a bite of the other guy's ice cream and he couldn't touch yours. So what <laughs> Madden would do the moment he would get the ice cream cone, he would spit on the ice cream. So no one would want to do the bite on his ice cream. He said the only person out of all of his friends, every human he ever met, would still bite the ice cream was John Robinson. So they were both kind of these crazy football guys. And then, obviously, I mean, John Robinson didn't quite have the career Madden have, but he became a pretty famous football guy, right, in his career. I mean, ice creams are pretty relatable. No, I mean, he coached USC. Yeah. I just happened to watch a clip of, like, all the cut-up of, like, the, of the Doug Peterson all right, I'll, all right, man, let's uh, finish up this meeting while I'm going to treat you to some ice cream. Have you seen that cut up? Yeah. I'm going to treat you to some ice cream. He always said, I'm going to treat you to some I'm gonna treat you to some vanilla ice cream. That shit we had last week, that was not Haagen-Dazs. But yeah. so, the great thing is John Madden did yeah. TV. There is an endless supply of great John Madden clips out there. I got to watch uh, – Man was on Letterman. I got somebody, uh, our buddy John Dickinson sent me that yesterday. I haven't watched it. It, it, was, it was good. It was good. It was good. Is that the one where he's talking about the number 38 or the number 83? You can't put 83 on a big fat guy? Yeah, you can only put like the same numbers. And then Dave goes, what was your number? He's like 77. I was a big fat guy. And he talks about the rats at the Coliseum. It, it's it's honestly, John, Dave's a little uncomfortable at the time. Like you, Dave is not Dave yet. John was John. Like John owned it. John honestly felt like Chris Farley. Like a buttoned-up Chris Farley is who he felt like watching him talk with Dave. Like, he owned the interview. He was the alpha of the two. Now, if it would have been awesome to see, like, 1996 Dave with that, John. It would have been... Well, Dave got good when he stopped caring. He was stiff. Dave was stiff yeah. in that Yeah, he, he was, was... You know, Dave's kind of awkward anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> it's part of his charm. What was the uncle's name? Uh, uncle, uh, uncle, uncle Rube. Rube. Uncle Rube. 
I love that Barb's like, now nah, I don't want to say too much, but Uncle Rube had a, what did, he, did he say a big testicle? What did he say? He said a Oversized big sack. A big, big sack. sack. <laughs> All right, there, that's an Uncle Rube. <laughs> that part was fantastic. Just seeing, you know, that's John's, John's face when he was old, so he wasn't going to play the game, but he was like, he knew what they were talking about. He's like, yeah, Uncle Rube. Didn't he call it an Uncle Rube? He's like, oh, he just did an Uncle Rube. Yeah, it was when Reggie sacked White him. sacked him. He's like, no, nah, that's the Uncle Rube. We're like, can you imagine what Favre and his buddies thought oh about that? God. Wasn't it Favre's like brother-in-law's dad or something? Well, they just said Favre just said he had some buddies from college in town. And one of them, we just get to talk and he's asking me who I have in town. And somehow Uncle Rube comes up. Because that's what Favre's deal was. Like most guys would come in by the game. John would be like, what'd you have for dinner last night? Like they would just start talking. I don't think that exists much. It's Who you got coming to the game? Yeah, I already missed John Madden. It's funny, man. I, I'd been wondering, you know, I, you see some people tweet here and there, oh, he texted so-and-so after a game or whatever, but he'd really disappeared, at least to my eye, to public life. Although I saw Cam Inman, who's interviewed him a lot over the years, and I think he spent some time with him, lives near him, had, you know, been in contact with him a little bit, but. Remember there was a health scare a couple of years ago that it was like he something happened. I'd I, forgotten I kind of until Derek remember. Papa reminded me that in like 2015, during one of our shows, uh, a particular uh, <clears throat> boss came running down the hallway declaring John Madden's died. And uh, if Derek Papa had not fact-checked that information, it would have ended up on the air. I don't know where that came from, but uh, yeah. I, do you remember that? Twenty uh, like fifteen, not, not well, but sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. It's I didn't really remember it either until Derek kind of t- broke the story down for me. I, it didn't sound familiar to me, but anyway. Uh, all right, good hanging, everybody. We had I had some Russell Wilson takes, but that can wait for another day. What well, the Lions, and then you can yeah. really <laughs> have a happy New Year. If we don't talk to you before then, if, if stuff pops, then we'll we'll make we can do some emergency videos and keep an, uh, an ear out. If we've got a, are we going Rams lock of the week? I'm good. Uh, with yeah, that. let's do Rams lock of the week. Rams lock of the week, three and a half. All right, everybody, thanks for hanging. Later. Adios. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.